0: And we're back at it here on another Sunday night. Welcome on into Heatwave Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. For the super Sunday night edition of Heat Wave Sports over Reaction Sunday is what we call it. Tim Unglesby and Angel with you here in Vegas, my co-host back east, always going well over a decade now. Mr. Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. Tommy, a pretty good week all around for all of us, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a uh, so the, the kind of that separation weekend. I think we learned a lot in the NFL today. I think we learned a real lot about real top teams, and this is the kind of thing that you have to move forward with when you're talking about sports betting. And we are, of course. I won my my picks this week. You won your picks this week. Uh, and moving forward you have to kind of learn what's happening don't go with your preconceived notions of what you believe before the year this is the time of year to switch those up tinker and move forward to get ready for the second half of the year
0: a lot of good marquee matchups here in week number nine we're going to break down every game for you we'll look ahead to next week's matchups in week number 10. And in hour two, Tommy and I will talk a little college basketball. Tom, as the NCAA slate will begin this week. There's like a million games, I think. With Harris, just about a million.
1: <laughs> it is, it, you know, it's kind of overwhelming. And you you often see people really bury themselves early in the season. Tim, they look at a, at a schedule like tomorrow, and you, like you said, there's a million. There's there's legitimately hundreds of games tomorrow, and you look at it and you. You go, ah, you know what? I got my best uh, 14 games, 15 games, and you just kind of bury yourself. It's really hard early in the season to have discipline to say, okay, everybody, sit back, go out there, and go find your two best games. Go find your two best games and be okay with that. It's uh, often something
0: that even the the most professional handicapper has a hard time with. Tommy Wasser, give you his. Are you Tommy? Are you giving us a free one tonight for the NCAA basketball season where you've been the king of kings?
1: Absolutely. I definitely will. I'll give you a free futures play. Uh, not a play for tomorrow, but a few a free futures play.
0: Sounds good. Hour two college basketball. So let's jump on into NFL week number <coughs> excuse me, week number nine. And let's do something different, Tom. Instead of looking at what we just saw, let's look at what we're gonna see tomorrow night and the Monday nighter we'll give a preview before we do the recaps here. The Chargers will be in well they'll be on your side of the country against the New York Jets. Chargers are 3 and 4, the Jets are 4 and 3. Tom the Jets are 4 and 3. They've won 3 in a row. And if they win tomorrow, they will be a game out of first place in the AFC East.
1: The New York Jets have just been plodding along. They're not doing anything fancy, they're not doing anything fun, uh, but they're just getting wins, right? I mean, They are just in a spot here, Tim, where you look at what the the Jets can be. And we go, well, if they had Aaron Rodgers, they'd be this. Well, if they had Aaron Rodgers, they'd be that. Well, if it didn't go wrong, they'd be that. But can we stop doing that and start looking at what they are? They are a really good defensive team that is now has their star running back in Brees Hall. His handcuffs are off, for lack of a better term, right? I mean... We look at Rich Hall and we go, yeah, he's running effectively. They have a great wide receiver. They have good parts and pieces. But they have a game manager in Zach Wilson who limits how much we believe in this team. Bill Parcells once famously said, you're as good as your record is. If the Jets win tomorrow, they're nearly a first place team. Do I believe it? No. But we've watched teams go into the playoffs and win games in the playoffs with Kind of a similar situation. Run the ball, play good defense, have a star extra player on your offense that isn't the quarterback, and the quarterback is kind of the head-scratching moment.
0: Opposite side of the ball, the Chargers coming off a win on Monday night against the Bears. As I said, three and four, Tom. They need a win here to stay pace, at least in the division uh, title race with KC. They don't want to fall three behind with only about... Seven or eight weeks left, but they need a win period to stay in the playoff chase.
1: Yeah, I, This is a Charger team that you start to look at the AFC, and it's one of the things that we'll talk about tonight, what I learned this week in the AFC. And you start to look at the AFC and you go, can a team like the Chargers, if they got hot, can they steal this thing? I mean, can they be hoisting a trophy? That's the question we constantly have with the Chargers. And it's hard to not ask that question, even with an under 500 team, even with an underperforming team for the last couple of years, because you see the talent, in, talented quarterback, talented running back, talented wide receiver, talented tight ends, talented offensive line, go to the defensive side of the ball, talented safety, talented linebacker, talent up front. They have talent everywhere on their team. They just don't wrap it all together. And you can blame everything on Brandon Staley, which I often have. I think that this is one of those games where, if you are really looking at both of these teams, they could both lose this game, and we could still have the same sort of narrative. But whoever wins this game, I think we start to look at them in a different light. I think whoever wins this game, we start to look at it and we go, okay, keep an eye on this team because they could get dangerous.
0: They can get hot.
1: They can get dangerous, and we have to pay attention.
0: This game, uh, courtesy of South Point Lines, Chargers Tom are three and a hook tomorrow night.
1: I hate the hook. Um I hate the hook. On prime time. I hate the hook in prime time in a game against a really good defense. You know, and I and I, I I really to be honest, I hate the hook. Prime time against a good defense on the road. But there's no other bet here. I mean, this is it's very difficult to take the Jets in this spot. I I I I see that and I agree to it. It's very difficult to take the Jets in this spot. I'm not saying it's a cakewalk, <laughs> right, taking the Chargers. I don't think I could touch that. If anything, I'm looking at a total
0: here. Let's start the Sunday action. This one was from Germany, Tom, another 6:30 game where the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins matched up Chiefs with a home team in this one off to a 21 nothing halftime lead. Hanging in there into the fourth. And Between these two offenses, a scoreless fourth quarter. Your thoughts on this one? Uh, you
1: know w- what did you see in this game, game, Tim? Uh, tell me what you saw because this is one of those learning
0: games for me. I don't, I don't know if it was the destination. I don't know if it was the time zone. I, I really saw two lackluster. Other than this, the Chiefs had. I thought two series where they looked like a Super Bowl championship team. Other than that. I thought they looked lackluster again for another week. And then Miami didn't look like Miami either. I mean, Tua was very human in today's game. But I did, I did notice that KC was able to, to stop the Miami rushing attack for what it was, which we haven't seen a lot of teams do this year. But all in all, if, you, if I was a one, 1 out of 10, I'd give this game about a 6, and I was expecting more of like an 8.
1: So here's what I learned from this game, at least this is what my takeaway was. The Miami Dolphins are not a Super Bowl contender. At it, that, that's it. I, I mean, their Super Bowl window has been closed. They are not. Forget about them scoring seventy. Their offense it, is susceptible to long droughts and having problems. Their defense can't stop anybody on different layers. I believe getting Jalen Ramsey back would stop a lot of that, and it hasn't. Miami Dolphins are no longer a Super Bowl contender. Now they'll make the playoffs. Sure, they could even win their division, but I think we have to start to look at Super Bowl contenders. In that same vein, something that I have been saying for the, the better part of eight weeks, something that I've made money on for the better part of eight weeks, is that the Kansas City Chiefs are a defensive-led team. They're a defense-first team. I know it's crazy. You have Patrick Mahomes. You have Travis Kelsey. Everybody wants to look at that. After the game, Patrick Mahomes came out and said, this is the best defense in the NFL. People kind of scoffed at it and chuckled at him. And I'm going, I kind of, kind of agree with him. They may not be the best, but... They're right up there. They're they're top five, and that's how they're winning. But because of that, because the Chiefs are defense first, I don't believe that that really is the identity that this team wants to be. I'm knocking the Chiefs down a peg as well. Now, the Chiefs can still turn around and win the Super Bowl, uh, but I don't think that they are the prevailing favorites. So in the grand scheme of this, okay, it's a game in Germany. Don't make too much of it. I get it. It was a fun game as well. I get it. This is a game that if Tyreek doesn't fumble the ball, maybe the Chiefs win this game, right? I I, I get all that. But I'm taking away the Miami Dolphins here. They're no longer a Super Bowl team. They've had three opportunities to play teams over 500. They've now played 40 straight games without beating a team over 500. They are not a Super Bowl contender. And you look at the Chiefs, and I'm, I'm just short of saying their Super Bowl window is not going to come to fruition this year as well. But I'll, I'll hold on to it because I do believe in this defense.
0: Both teams will be off in week number 10. Thomas Cruz to Cleveland, Ohio, where the Cleveland Browns put up a nice, not only defensive effort, offense looks sharp as well against a poor, poor Arizona Cardinal team. Browns 27 Cardinals nothing. Cardinals, nothing. Browns now 5-3. and Browns three. Browns Cardinals drop to 1-8. and, eight, to one and
1: eight. Yeah, I'm not making too much about this with Cleveland. You go out there, you beat an Arizona team, a pure garbage Arizona team that just lost their starting quarterback. And guess what? If they had their starting quarterback in there, still believe that you would have beaten up on this team. The Browns are a little bit of a smoke and mirrors type of team. Yeah, they're 5-3. and three. I get it, right? But you beat one of your five wins was the Bengals in week one where Joe Burrow could barely stand, right? You also beat a Tennessee team that has now switched their quarterback, a Cardinals team that has now switched their quarterback, a Colts team that's on a backup quarterback. They got one good win against the Niners in a game where uh, Jake Moody missed a kick at the end of that game. They lost to the Seahawks on the road, a very good team. They lost the Ravens, who is a playoff team. They lost the Steelers on the road, playoff team. So the the Cleveland Browns are doing sort of what we are expecting them to do. They're losing to playoff teams. They're beating teams they're supposed to beat. And even fringe playoff teams, a team like Pittsburgh. So you look at this team and you go, well, what do I believe about this game? Yeah, you should have done this against Arizona. Because the next two weeks, you have playoff teams coming up at the Ravens and then against Pittsburgh, who's a a borderline playoff team. But that's who you have. Then you go and you take on two non-playoff teams. Denver and the Rams, even though on the road, come back to gets Jag- Jaguars a playoff team, Bears non-playoff team, Texans may be a playoff team. Then you get the Jets and the Bengals. You look at their schedule and you go, Can you make the playoffs this year beating all non-playoff teams? Tim, they can. That's what's scary. Cleveland can make the playoffs and not beat any playoff teams. That's the beauty of being bad for so long. I don't buy into this Cleveland team long term. I still believe their defense is a little overrated. I still think Deshaun Watson's still trying to kind of wipe off some rust out there. Cleveland, to me, you did what you had to do against Arizona, but let's be real, right? I mean, they're, they're not a threat.
0: Real quick on the Cardinals. Murray supposed Murray, to come back next week, Tom, week 10. Uh, obviously, obviously, the Cardinals are in the driver's seat for the number one pick in the draft next uh, spring. Is this, is this a still a Caleb Williams situation, or is it Kyler Murray still? No,
1: I, I got to be honest. I, I think it's Kyler Murray. I thought it was Kyler Murray because you start to ask yourself, what does your team need, and can you win with Kyler Murray? I don't think Kyler Murray is a very good quarterback, but I don't think he's a very bad quarterback either. And I think with Caleb Williams, we had the cart in front of the horse a little bit whether it be the Bears, whether it be Carolina, whether it be Arizona, whoever it might be. Caleb Williams is not, hands down, separation, the number one quarterback in the draft. He's just not that guy anymore. So you start to ask yourself, is there a team out there that believes he is? There is there a team out there that believes that they will give a Herschel Walker type of deal for him? And I think that there is. And that team is going to come to Arizona. It's going to be a hard deal to pass up to him.
0: Is Kyler Murray the answer, though? No. I don't think he is. But I think you can... I think you can win a division with
1: Kyler Murray. I think you could get to the playoffs with Kyler Murray. I, I don't think he's the answer. When, when Kyler Murray was drafted number one, I was on at Sports Garden Network, and I destroyed this trade. Uh, or this, well, the the move up. Uh, I didn't like the coach. I didn't like the quarterback. I do not like anything about it. I thought it was awful. So... This is not me being a Kyler Homer in any way, shape, or form, but I think they could win with him. They just have nothing around him right now. Uh, Their receiving staff, look, their receiving core as as Brown is okay. Uh, Wilson might be okay, but it's lackluster. They do have a tight end in McBride coming up. That's nice. Their offensive line is one of the worst in the league. They're dealing with third-string running backs, and this defense, they play hard, but... There's not a name you can name out there outside of like Kazeer White. Even the most experienced people don't even know anybody. So their problems are way more than a quarterback. I'll say this. If you turn around and you put Patrick Mahomes on that team today, they're not a Super Bowl contender, Tim, right? I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. So is Kyler the answer? Probably not. But can Kyler get you through the rebuilding process that will take two Maybe three seasons.
0: I think he can stay with the North. Where today all AFC North teams won. Baltimore, five hundred and fifteen yards of offense. Tommy Lamar Jackson didn't even have to play the fourth quarter in a blowout over the Seattle. A very good Seattle Seahawks team, thirty-seven to three. Tom, I didn't think you. I don't think you thought Baltimore would put the ass beating that they put on Seattle. Now look, we went three
1: and two in the contest. I didn't give this out at Tompartonsports.com. I didn't give any place. I had nothing but totals today. Uh, but we went three and two in the contest, but one of my losses was Seattle. I just thought maybe they'd keep it close. And the Ravens are a team that when they are going well, Tim, they may be the best team in the league. On both sides of the ball. Look, when when Mahomes and Burrow are going well offensively, even Josh Allen, they're seemingly unstoppable. But I'm not afraid that their offense is going to click and their defense is going to click at the same time most of the time. I'm terrified of that with Baltimore. If I'm playing Baltimore and you have Lamar clicking and the defense clicking, I mean, look out. And that's what's going on right now. For years, it's been, can Baltimore stay healthy? right? Can they keep guys upright? Can they stay healthy and effective? And they haven't been able to. If this team stays healthy, Tim, they have a dynamic running game. The offense is starting to click. Lamar's an MVP candidate. Uh, don't kid yourself. He should be leading the MVP race right now. Two linebackers that are as good as anybody in the league. They have a pass rush. They, and then, then you get to that secondary. If it's healthy, this is a Super Bowl-laden team.
0: You said it, Tom, when both sides are clicking, they debatably could be the best team in the NFL. 298 yards rushing, 225 yards receiving. And then on the opposite side of the ball, they gave up 28 yards 28 rushing, rushing total, total and then kept the duo of Metcalf Met- and Lockett, Tom, to four catches for 82 yards combined.
1: Their defense is scary when they, when they are healthy and good, Tim. Uh, you, you can make an argument right now that Roquan Smith is the best linebacker in football. I don't think you're going to get a pushback there. He He's among the top five. Here's the scary thing. Patrick Queen is probably in the top 15, right? Mm-hmm. You know, their pass rush, you lose some key names like a Calias Campbell. Go look at their kid, this young guy out there leading the way. I mean, they are a complete team. Now you go, and when I say complete, by the way, I'm also talking about the third level, which is special teams, where Baltimore might have the best special teams in the league.
0: Yeah, I'd say if you look at week Seven and week nine, nine. that's the Baltimore offense you expected to see with the defense. Week eight, of course, you know, last week again, they get the win, Tom. They didn't look good doing where they got the win, so they need to figure out where the medium is, and the medium has to trend towards week seven and nine, which takes us to a huge matchup next week in the division. Cleveland at Baltimore. The Ravens are a six-point favorite to open.
1: Baltimore owns this team and owns this rivalry, right? Right. I mean, uh, you look at the history of these two teams. I don't think much is going to change here. Uh, It's You could tell me it's gone back and forth, but it hasn't, right? The last four have gone back and forth. Before that, uh, Baltimore had won three in a row. Baltimore had won um, eight of 11. So it's gone back and forth. I know that you look at this and you say, yeah, uh, the last four, it's gone back and forth. Yeah, the last four it has. And the last four in Cleveland, it has. But look back. I'm going to do a little research here. When was the last time uh, that this Cleveland Browns team, a Cleveland Browns team that I know it's got a lot of shakeup, right? I know that they've done different things. Uh, When was the last time they've gone into Baltimore and and won a game? Let's see. You know, you, you go, hold on, wait, wait. Where is it? One loss. Two losses. Uh, three losses. Four losses. Eight, five. Six. Seven. They've lost seven of the last eight, Tim. Last time they yeah. won was uh, they cleaned their clocks at you know, it, uh, on September 2020. In a game that was kind of questionable as well. So they've won seven of the last eight at home as Baltimore. And that's the key. It's where are they playing? I don't think, I don't think Cleveland is ready to go into Baltimore and upset the apple Card here.
0: Points allowed, Tom. (laughs) On the season, Baltimore, number one in the NFL behind uh, 124 points allowed. And I think when you look at the Ravens, and I know this because I live it, if you look at the last two years, this is kind of the point in the season where the wheels have fallen off, right? Huge start in 21. They lost their last eight games, missed the playoffs. Last year started a little bit earlier. And they end up Same situation so I think this is Really I think if you know Jim Harbaugh Excuse me John Harbaugh he's got This he's got to have this circled As the times where they need To go out and just take care of business and a win next week Would give him a three game lead in the north
1: Yeah win next Week sort of Starts to open up the eyes of the rest Of the public too right I still think that people Look at Baltimore and say oh, Lamar Jackson's just a running quarterback and Uh, uh, You know, that's who they are, waiting for an injury to happen. You go out there, you beat Cleveland. In that division, all of a sudden, people have to start to take notice.
0: How about the Hawks still tied with the Niners for first in the West? They'll be back at home next week, Tom, entertaining the Washington Commanders, and Seattle also a six-point favorite.
1: Eh, Pete Carroll's an old guy, and I'm going to use an old phrase for him. This is one of those coaches' games, Tim. Throw away the tape, right? You don't watch the tape. You don't worry about it. We're having a good season. We're back at home where it's always, always tough to beat Seattle where they are. Back at home, weather's supposed to be nasty, just what the doctor ordered to kind of get right and just wipe the stink off of this long road
0: trip. As we cruise into our first time out of the night, how about this, Tom? We've always talked about certain coaches – coming off of a bye week Andy Reid's one of those guys they are off next week however in week 11 Tom they'll be at home against the Eagles do we still go with this trend or we have to do a little thinking on this one no I still go with it I think that yeah
1: I have to go with the time off the Eagles are going to be battle tested at this point I still I know they won again today Call me crazy, and I know people are, I'm still not overly impressed with the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles have hit their their highlight real mark. And Patrick Mahomes said it today. Look, the defense is playing well. Wait till we get the offense going. And he said, I guarantee you this offense is going to start clicking. Guess what? They got two weeks to kind of figure this thing out. I trust Andy Reid.
0: I don't care who it's against. Yeah. The public perception, the public right, perception now, right now, Tom, and I know this because I sat in a yeah. – a room um, this morning with like seven different people over in my house watching we decided we'd all watch the game early start breakfast right and and uh, with the with the exception of one other person who I think is very football competent the rest were not they were casual fans and all they I kept hearing was what happened to Kansas City I'm like what do you mean?" right they just they're not ex- not exciting anymore right is that was that what it is um, whereas the eagles they're everybody's favorite all of a sudden right tom going dating back to last year they're exciting they're fun but they're barely winning again and just like you said so i kind of i kind of like to see where this line sets in two weeks and, and maybe we get some value with the chiefs yeah i think so
1: and you look at the eagles and you go uh, they give a 500 yards to washington Dallas really should have won. I know we're not talking about that game yet. Really should have won that game. I mean they have two touchdowns called back. This Eagles team is living and dying on the razor's edge.
0: When we come back, we'll talk about that Eagle-Cowboy game. Your Las Vegas Raiders in action with a new coaching, well, a new head coach. We'll see how they did today over at Allegiant Stadium Sunday Nighter, Buffalo, night. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Talk about that as well as Whatever else we determine we want to talk about here on HeatWave Sports, Super Sunday Night, Fox Sports Radio. Now back to HeatWave Sports with Tim Oglesby and Tom Barton. You can find us over there on that X at HW Sports at Tom Barton Sports. And if you follow us, you know that we've been doing a free picks segment on the show and with us being off on Saturdays for Vegas Golden Night Hockey. It's all up there on up HW there on sports, 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 sports over on X. I'm um, through nine weeks now. Chris Wynn sits Chris at three sits and, six. and six. Tim, that's me, back in the winning saddle today, four and five. And Tom Barton right now leads the way at five, three and one. He had the over today in the Dallas Eagles game. So you know like a like, nice little fun thing we like to do Tom here on the show and I don't I also have to give props out to a loyal listener and follower vsmack he's the guest picker right Tom he's now five and four with the Raiders today at Raiders in a win so nice nice and fun
1: so if you're listening to our show uh, you're making money yeah, yeah.
0: Profit, I mean, yes, as, long as, as long as you're
1: as long as you're not following Chris <laughs> well, if,
0: if you're fading, Chris, but, you're doing but listen, all right.
1: You know, I, I will say this, though. When Chris has come on the air this year, I know he's got a bad record, but when Chris has come on the air this year and he has uh, been emphatic about something, it, 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 not only has he won, he's dominated. Remember, his, his biggest win this year, he was emphatic. I've never seen him so excited about taking Miami, the game that they put up 70, right? So you you, you got to kind of... Feel Chris out if he's just throwing a play out there and he goes, "Yeah, guys, I kind of like this." All right, you know, maybe you lay off that. But if Chris comes out and he goes, "I love it," they're going to smash him, they're going to destroy him. Hey, I'm I'm still listening.
0: Yeah, I I would love to hear his thoughts on why he liked the Cardinals plus 11, but and it even went up, Tom. It was like 12 and a half today. So I'd love to hear his thoughts on that one. And you can follow him at Christian Win over on the X. And when he, when he posted that to us in our chat, I was like, eh, I don't know about that one, but hey. Yeah, you know, that, was, all... that was
1: your reaction because
0: you had the other side. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we saw who won that one, Tom. So, yeah. Interesting game today in Lambeau. And um, look, no Matt, Stafford, no Matt right? Stafford, right? I don't know what happened. what happened. This Ram team's weird, Tommy, because... We thought maybe there was a there was a corner gonna it was gonna be turned with Cooper Cup coming back into it. And actually they're one and two now with him without it with him in the lineup. And they get blasted today by the Packers twenty to three. Just uh, no offense for the genius boy there, McVay and dominated by the Packard D. Well
1: you mentioned Cooper Cup. He was non existent, Tim. I, I mean just non existent. He had one catch for 34. He had no catches about just about halftime. One catch for 34 yards going into the fourth quarter, finished with two catches for 48 yards. He's a slot receiver. So, you know, don't give me any of this nonsense about playing one-on-one or somebody covering him up or any of that going on. To that doesn't happen, right? You can't do that with a slot receiver. You can't go one-on-one with a guy like that. So, I don't know what's going on. Because the Packers do have a good, decent secondary. There's also a secondary though that lost Rasheel De- Douglas uh, to the Bills over the course of the week. It, 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 this was this was just ugly. I mean, just flat out ugly. You expect a backup quarterback to struggle, um, and I get that. You expect the quarterback to uh, to struggle that doesn't have a running game right there. Dealing with a guy who basically was on his couch a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they can't run. Uh, you're dealing with a backup running back. You're dealing with a, a third-string running back. Really, you're dealing with a backup quarterback. I get it. Puka was banged up. Yeah. So where are you going to go, Tim? Every ball should have went to Cooper Cup. I mean, they literally should have forced the ball on targets to Cooper Cup. To not do that, I'm going to take a page out of your book and kind of poking fun at Sean McVay. How do you? How are you an offensive genius, and you don't just pepper Cooper Cup with opportunities over and over and over?
0: Do you think that the Hollywood story for McVay has has come is coming to a close?
1: No, he's got a I mean he's got he's got a built in clause here, Tim. Oh look, my quarterback was hurt. Right? I, I mean, hey, you guys took my number one cornerback away. Oh, you did this, you did. He has the excuses if he wants the excuses. We talked about this before the year. Sean McVeigh thought about retiring. Aaron Donald thought about retiring. Matthew Stafford thought about retiring, right? I mean, you knew that they were kind of half in, half out. Um, I don't think that the Hollywood story is over for McVay. It wouldn't surprise me if he had to go to another team, though, to kind of re-energize himself, right? I don't think it's going to be done here. When they they sold their soul, like almost literally, to get a Super Bowl championship, we said it. They got no first-round picks. They have no money. How are they going to get out of this? And we talked about it then. Yeah, they might win a championship now, but this is going to be a very, very, very small window. Well, they're feeling that small window now.
0: How about the Packers? Three and five, obviously in a rebuild situation. Jordan Love, 228 and a touchdown today. Aaron Jones is back. They'll be in Pittsburgh next week to take on the Steelers, who won Thursday night. Pittsburgh, three-point favorite at home.
1: Pittsburgh still getting absolutely no love. I just made a mention to Bill Parcells saying you are as good as your record, right? You have a forget about Pittsburgh, forget about Green Bay. Take the, take the names off the back here or, or off the front of the jersey here, right Tim? You have a 5 and 3 team with a Hall of Fame coach minus 3 at home against a 3 and 5 team that can't get out of their own way. A quarterback with 12 touchdowns and eight interceptions on the year. It's it's a complete mismatch. Why is the line only three? Because that's what Vegas believes Pittsburgh is. I mean, that's what the lines makers believe Pittsburgh. No one no one's buying into the Pittsburgh Steelers at five and three. No one believes in Kenny Pickett. No one believes in this Pittsburgh team. They just keep going out there year after year, week after week, game after game, and putting up wins. I'd be stunned if the Packers go into Pittsburgh and win this game. I'd be stunned, Tim, but I also understand you can't really make the line any more than three.
0: I would feel more comfortable if it was Pittsburgh minus five. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, The three just – just—it's it, you know how that ugly three is. And, and if you handicap it just in basics, right, Tom? What are the basics? Pittsburgh's the better team. Pittsburgh's at home. Green Bay's traveling. The, 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 you know, we just, you went through everything. And you look at the lines three.
1: But here's the thing, though, Tim, right? Look at Pittsburgh. Beat the Browns by four. Beat the Raiders by five. Beat the Ravens by seven, beat the Rams by seven, beat the Titans by four. They haven't beaten anybody by more than seven points, Tim. No.
0: And haven't looked. And you're right. in three of those wins are debatably. You could have said they should have lost those games, including Thursday right. night. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get it. So we like the Steelers. I get it. I saying.
1: get why it's there. I just again, I I have a hard time laying the three with Pittsburgh, but there's no chance you got me <laughs> yeah. to take the Packers. Right.
0: In Atlanta. About this storyline, and it was an, this was an exciting game as far as uh, back, and back and forth, a lot of field goals, too many field goals for me. But the storyline would have been coming into the season. Tom um, Taylor Henicky was a backup in Atlanta. Josh Dobbs was the backup in in Phoenix, Arizona. They end up starting this game. Jobs just picked up in a trade from the Cardinals this past week at the deadline, and he leads them to a, what, what ended up being a game-winning score. 31-28. 31-28, Vikings get a win in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Like I said, it fun, I it's exciting fun, back and exciting back-and-forth game, back and forth game. Uh, but I think these two teams are kind of what they are.
1: Yeah, they are what they are, and, and Heineke is fun. Heineke uh, looked good out there. Uh, the, the, the the job that Josh Dobbs did, we can't just brush that over. I mean, guy walks in. He's got no idea the playbook, and I had read that one of his biggest attributes was that he was asking – during the huddle, like, I don't know what to do, guys, you know? And and they were walking him through it. Tell some people out there, don't be afraid to kind of say, I don't know something, because they'll walk you through it. Just a tremendous effort by him. This Vikings team, it's unrecognizable right now. Osborne got hurt today, so he's out. Osborne's out. You're going on. Kirk Cousins is out. Your new running back is now Cam Akers. Justin Jefferson's got I mean this is a completely different Vikings team but you got to give them credit they're five and four Tim I don't know how they're five and four but they're five and four
0: yep Dobbs look we've said it all year long Dobbs has done a very serviceable job he was with a bad Arizona team he kept that team in many many games they didn't win the, they didn't win they only won one of them but he he kept them in games and, and I think that's the same thing Minnesota was the, the spring in a veteran to Just kind of get us through the rest of the season, right, Tom? The problem is, uh, you said it, there's just so many injuries, and and I don't know if they'll have enough time to get those pieces back together all as a unit.
1: Well, they won't. uh, Kirk Cousins isn't coming back. And as good as Dobbs is, you know, can he get to the playoffs? You know, Tim, in this week, NFC, I think he could get them to the playoffs. I I don't think they're doing anything in the playoffs. But what else is new for the Minnesota Vikings?
0: Uh, I guess we got to talk about this one. It's it's a game on the schedule next week. Atlanta will be in Arizona. And the Falcons are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road.
1: I'm a little surprised at that. I mean, I think Arizona is generally terrible. But I think that that, what's baked into that line here is the idea of, of the guy that you brought up. I think Kyler Murray might be back. And if Murray is back, I understand why this line is the way it is. If they're going again with, with Arizona's backups to backups to backups, Tim, you, you can't feel comfortable with that at all. Yeah, I'd be all over Atlanta in that spot.
0: Washington heads up to Foxborough. They come away with a 20-17 to 17 win. Sammy Howell, 325, Tom, and a touchdown. And good old Mac Jones again, Tommy. Pick to end the game. Uh, commanders now four and five pats two and seven
1: it really wasn't his fault to end the game if you watch that it was off of uh juju's hands who juju has been a major disappointment for them and i mean i think that that's what you can say i just texted it to you i did the numbers the patriots have now covered only in only two of their last 16 games i mean it's just time for bill to sort of tank and go get a quarterback Mac jones is not the answer you can't win with Mac Jones throwing to Juju's over the hill, Kendrick Bourne, the, the offense is so bad. I mean, it is so bad. We had them in the contest as well. Again, I went three and two, but the, my two losses um, were, were were rough losses, and that was one of my losses. And you're watching the game, and you're watching, trying to, to come back in that game, right? You're, you're, you're sitting back, and you're going, all right, can they come back here, Tim? And you just look at the talent, the disparity of talent on the one side, and you go, who do I count on? Like, are you kidding me? Hunter Henry is kind of my best bet here to, to do something. It's uh, it's an ugly feeling when you look at that team and you see what they are and that you're betting on them.
0: So, yeah. So instead, you're at two and seven. Right now, you'd have the second pick in the draft. And like you said earlier, forget about Caleb Williams. What about Bilichek bringing in a Drake May? or a Michael Penn. I, I think Pennix might be too high to go there, but I'm just saying there's options out there, Tom.
1: Well, is he too high? I mean, look, right now, everything that I hear, everything that I hear is that Caleb Williams is still the number one quarterback being taken. Drake May is number two. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing McCarthy might go three, and Penix might go four, okay? But you, you got an opportunity to get one of those four. We look at New England and we go, oh, they're not going to be up there. Arizona Carolina Chicago Giants four teams ahead of them that's it that's it if the yeah. if the bears decide to not take a quarterback that's two picks remember there's actually only four teams ahead of them because the bears own carolina's pick so is Arizona Chicago and the Giants like that that there's only three quarterbacks going to go Tim, they're going to have an opportunity as it stands today. They're going to have an opportunity to get one of those guys, either Williams, May, Penix, or McCarthy. They have an opportunity to get one of them. Now, Tennessee is still in play with three wins. Denver's in play with three wins, but have looked better. The Chargers are in play with three wins. That could, they could kind of take themselves out of it. The Packers, are there with three wins. They're not taking a quarterback. Tampa Bay and the Rams are the two teams that you have to worry about, you know, kind of jumping in there. So, You're in a position where right now you're picking fourth, right? Or no, you're picking fifth. Right now they're picking fifth, but they're not that far away from picking first, Tim. That's how pathetic this New England team has been. And this is right now you you, you go, do you know what next Thursday's game is? Oh, yeah. The Bears have an opportunity to win that game. There's a good chance by next weekend, next time I talk to you, Tim, next time, next Sunday – the New England Patriots could have the number one overall seed.
0: If Tom Barton's GM with full full reign, but he makes the final decision on player personnel, and I know it's only November, November. we have five months away from the draft, and barring any serious injuries or just complete meltdowns from those, those quarterbacks you named, in your opinion, who's the best quarterback? Who's the guy you're taking? Number one.
1: I'm trading it if it's me i'm taking i'm signing kirk cousins and i'm taking marvin harrison jr that's what i'm doing but who's the best quarterback ah, it's tough look i don't believe in mccarthy for whatever reason and that could very well change when i do my draft prep i don't i don't buy into mccarthy so it's williams may uh or Penix. i think Penix has massive upside massive upside But I also get that Washington's offense is laden with um, successes. So I get it if you want to put him three. That leaves May and Williams. Before the year began, I stood out there and I told everybody, I think Drake May is the best quarterback. I got laughed at. I got chuckled at him. Um, When you look at who needs the most help, I I think Caleb Williams is a guy that needs the perfect situation. And I don't know if New England's the perfect situation for him. So somebody that could walk in to a New
0: England team
1: uh, with, with, we'll say, limited help, I'm going to go Drake May.
0: Seems like a Belichick type of guy too, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, smart kid, uh, stand in the pocket. Maybe doesn't have all the physical tools of Caleb Williams. But look, and by the way, just to get off, off kilter here, Everyone's ripping on Caleb Williams are crying on the sideline, crying in his mom's arms. Right? And, I mean, that's literally what happened. Um, that doesn't skew me away from Caleb Williams. I mean, maybe it shows you, uh, you know, a little, a little problem area here or there if uh, if he's that emotional. Sure. What bothers me is that he thought he was going to get a piece of the the ownership of the team. That's that bothers me. What bothers me is that. When he was asked about you know, his losses, he was nowhere to be found. Then the next time he said, I just want to go home. He has a problem with the media. He's got a problem with his hype machine where he thinks he's, he's already better than Mahomes. And, and I don't think Belichick would mold well with somebody like that at all.
0: New Orleans Saints moved a 5-4 first place in the South with a 24-17 win over your Chicago Bears, Tom. Derek Carr, two touchdowns. And the Saint defense, a big, big defensive play to uh, end up sealing this game away. Your thoughts on this one? Bears, I thought the Bears they looked okay. Badging, look, he's not Josh Fields. We know that he made a couple bad interceptions here, but I thought the Bears had a chance to win this game. Yeah, they did.
1: They looked really good. They came out of the gates looking pretty well. Um, and, and they have talent on their team. People forget that they're still kind of gelling DJ Moore Um, and the offense is still trying to kind of learn about this new quarterback. They're missing their starting running back and Khalil Herbert went down. They're missing two offensive linemen. I'm not making excuses for them, but yeah, they had a chance to win this game. The saints though, more of a charmed life. The saints are going to be the biggest frauds entering the postseason if they make it. And we knew that was going to happen. The Saints have now taken on – they have taken on Ryan Dano and Malik Willis, Bryce Young in the second overall start, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, Mac Jones, okay, one one CJ Stroud and and Lawrence, those are good, Gardner Minshew, uh, Baguette. Then they're going to take on Dobbs and Heineke in the next two weeks. Then they got to take on Jared Goff, okay. Then they get to take on uh, Bryce Young again. Then you get the Giants and whatever quarterback they're going with, uh, DiVincenzo, the Rams, who might not have Stafford, back to Mayfield, and then Heineke to finish it off. There's an opportunity that the the Saints will play three competent quarterbacks all year. Jared Goff, uh, Trevor Lawrence, who, lo- who they lost to, C.J. Stroud. They have now played two competent quarterbacks this year, Tim, and they're 0-2 against them. And, and they're going to only play one more competent quarterback the rest of the year. You want a fade team entering the playoffs? You want a team that everyone's talking about how great their defense is entering the playoffs? Because they're in first place in the NFC South. Tim, if they go into the playoffs and and they have to take on a Hurts or a Dak, you know, or a Goff on the road or, or even a Purdy or a Geno Smith, they're going to get annihilated.
0: Saints will be at Minnesota, you said it. And they're actually a favorite on the road, Tom, two and a half. <coughs> Got to go
1: with that defense. I don't know if uh, if I can count on Dobbs in this spot. Now, I don't think I can. I don't think I can count on Dobbs. I, as good as he is, and he's a fun story, I have to go with New Orleans in this spot because their defense is playing well against garbage teams.
0: And what might be the worst... Rated NFL football game of the season, if not in the past, I don't know how many years, Tom. This this is going to get lower ratings than the wonderful World Series we just saw. The Carolina Panthers will be in Chicago Thursday night. Take on your Bears. This opened one and a half. Chicago, it's up to three now.
1: Guess what? I think it's going to be a fun game, Tim. Yeah. I, I think that Carolina is a team that you can have fun watching at times. I think Bryce young is going to start opening it up more and more here. And and you have an opportunity where Justin Fields comes back. This could be a fun storyline game. And Oh, by the way, who do you root for? If you're bears, if if you're the bears, you're going, man, I hope that, that we tie because the bears own the number one pick, which is uh, Carolina's number one pick. So as it stands right now, the Bears own Carolina's number one overall pick. They own the number three overall pick, which is their own. It, so I guess the Bears want to win, get to that third win, so Carolina gets pushed down, and they only they stay a one win. It's
0: all, it's all it's strictly all- strategy, right, Tom?
1: Yeah, and I don't want to hear, by the way, I don't want to hear this is the Caleb Williams Bowl, which I've already started to hear, because I'm not convinced the Bears are moving on from Justin Fields either.
0: Tom, if the Bears... Drafted Caleb Williams, would you turn in your Bears jersey and find another one? <laughs> no, I don't dislike the guy. I just uh
1: I'm I'm sick and tired of hearing generational talent every two years. <laughs> right? Generational talent's supposed to be generational. Uh I think that Caleb Williams has an opportunity to be a good quarterback in the league. Hey, maybe, maybe even a, a very good quarterback in the league. But I don't see the tape where everyone's sitting there turning around and saying he's a generational talent. I think he's good. He plays against garbage defenses. In crunch time, he has not been very good. He lacks a little bit of a that oomph that I want from a quarterback. I don't dislike the guy, but I certainly don't like the guy.
0: If If you weren't a Bears fan, who would be? Who would your team be?
1: If I wasn't a Bears fan, I weirdly enough, I was a Miami fan growing up um, with the Bears. You, you know, back then it was OK to have two teams. So you really only saw one. And I like Dan Marino. I own Dan Marino jersey. I like Zach Thomas. I married somebody that was a Miami fan. So even though my wife, if my wife was sitting next to me, she would say, you know, you love Jacksonville, which mm-hmm. for some reason I do, you know, um, but but it would be Miami.
0: You know mine, right? You know
1: mine, right? Oh, let's see. Ah, this is, um, hold on. Give me a second here. Who would, would Tim's second team be? I'm assuming, is it is it right to assume it's from the NFC? Oh, yeah. no, it's a, you're the Patriots. No, you're the Patriots.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 But that they're but falling they're behind on the list on. now, so.
1: Well, for me, I was a Brady guy. I liked Belichick, but I loved Brady. Yeah. So for a while there, and it's the same thing with, with Jacksonville. I, although I've liked Jacksonville over the years. I mean, I do own a Brunel jersey, but it, I I am okay with liking key players. Um, and I'll get attached to a player from college. You, you, know, you know, you bought me the jersey of Luke Keekley I was a fan of him in college because I went to go see him in college. And I, I was a, a fan of him. And then I was rooting for Carolina because of him. Miami is just one of those teams I've liked since I was a kid. The Bears obviously are my team forever, so I would have to lean there. But I have massive respect for Brady. When Brady was there, you could have argued that New England was my second favorite team.
0: Yeah, it's for me. It's either the Pats or the Chargers, and um, but they're they're distant second to, of course, Baltimore. So growing up, it was Dallas, though, Tommy, because Baltimore didn't have a team after '82. So, uh, and I was like four. You know what I mean? So. so it's let's funny. I live this, in Tom? an area where.
1: I live in an area where everybody hates Dallas, everybody hates Philly, everybody hates Washington. never mattered to me. Those teams never bothered me one way or the other. I could care less.
0: <laughs> well, we're done with an hour here on HeatWave Sports. We've still got more NFL Week 9 in, in, uh, week, in hour number two, some more look-aheads in Week 10. And, yes, make sure you stay tuned to listen to NCAA basketball talk as well as we open up season preview in hour two. It's HeatWave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Now back to HeatWave Sports. Make sure you tune in next Sunday night for the Overreaction Sunday, Super Sunday Night, as we will take Saturday off as well again. Tom, we'll, we'll finish up week uh, nine in the NFL so we can talk a little college hoops. Over in Houston, C.J. Stroud, the rookie, 470 yards, passing five touchdowns, a total shootout there with the Tampa Bay Bucks, 39-37. Texas gets the last, uh, last, last ups, and they, they end up with the win.
1: Yeah, look, this was a, a fun game up and down, and, and you know, guy throws for – 455 yards and a guy turns around and throws a five touchdowns and you go and yeah, he needed a last second kind of win there. Eh, not exactly a, a, you know, favorable situation for the defense. I thought Baker Mayfield played really well. I thought that Tampa Bay played really well. CJ Stroud just put this team on his shoulders. Is it, is it too late to say that, uh, you know, Bryce Young was a mistake and Stroud should have been number one. I, I don't know if if there's (laughs) any chance that he could do anything um, more to, to overtake him. I mean, CJ Stroud just looks great. The coaching staff looks brilliant for doing what they did. The GM looks brilliant for doing what they did. I could sing this kid's applause uh, for a long time. I I think that Stroud is the real deal. I like his decision-making. I like everything about it. And remember, he's doing this without his starting running back who we all thought that Damian Pierce was going to be kind of that guy He's doing this with Devin Singletary and kind of an outcast from Buffalo. And he's doing this with an offensive line that most of the year he was missing three guys. I think the future is really exciting for when C.J. Stroud actually has, you know, talent around him and, and guys protecting him up front. For this year, I'm not ruling out that they have a playoff run here, Tim. I'm not ruling out that maybe they get hot and they sneak into that last playoff spot. I'll tell you what, if they were in the NFC, I would tell you, watch out. Houston might be able to make it. In the AFC, I just think it's a little bit tougher.
0: Yeah, we were literally week after week. We, we always talk about well, how long before Houston's exposed? How long before Houston's exposed? Well, they're like you said, Tom, They're four and four, three and one at home. And what's the reward for now? What, what do we do in week number ten, Tommy? It'll be Houston at Cincinnati. Opening line is Cincinnati minus eight.
1: It, it, it's it's a tough game. It really is a tough game for them. They they shouldn't be in this game, but would it shock you if they kind of hung close here, Tim? Mm. I, I mean, really, would it, would it really stun you if uh, th- this team just offensively just opened it up? I'll tell you what, I like the over in that game. I think that they're going to open it up offensively. I do think that Joe Burrow's just too good, and he's going to put up too many points, and he's just in his zone right now. Uh, but offensively, I think that they could get some points. I think that they're going to score 20 plus points on them. And that could be dangerous for a Cincinnati team coming off a huge emotional win.
0: Tampa Bay's lost four in a row, yet is still a game and a half behind New Orleans in that division. That tells you something right there, doesn't it? They'll be at home against Tennessee. Tom, they're a favorite, minus one. I like Tennessee,
1: uh, Tampa Bay, uh, what they're doing, but but I do like what Tennessee has looked like. Tennessee also has extra time to prepare for this game. I look at Tampa Bay and I go, it's not a mistake that they have the best red zone defense, right? I mean, they have the best red zone defense in the NFL. That's not a mistake. Baker Mayfield's playing well. Rasheed White's playing well. Their offense is playing well. The problem with Tampa Bay is their offensive line is just so terrible. What Tennessee does really well, though, is they stop the run. Tampa Bay doesn't need to run. They can throw it all day. I, I think it's a good matchup for Tampa Bay to kind of get back to it, but I think it's kind of a separation game for both of these teams. Tampa Bay loses, they go to 3-6, and six, or Tennessee loses, they go to 3-6. and six, The season's over. You go to 4-5, and five, you have that glimmer of hope. Why is it a 1? Why is it
0: 1?
1: I think because of things that, that I just said. Everyone's all into Will Levis now oh, man, he's the guy. He's going to turn everything around. Will Levis is going to completely turn this Tennessee team around. And I think that he's fun to root for, and I think that that people want to do it, but they see the danger in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was – they got through for 455 yards and five touchdowns, and they were uh, – you know, they lost by two in the last seconds. I, I think that the public understands that Tampa Bay probably should have won that game despite giving up that many yards.
0: Indianapolis, 27-13 win at Carolina. The Colts now 4-5, and five also right there chasing after Jacksonville in the south. Panthers 1-7. and seven. Jonathan Taylor back, Tommy. He looks like he's starting to get into form. Here.
1: Yeah, second half, it looked much better for the Panthers, but Indianapolis just absolutely rolled them defensively. Kenny Moore had two pick sixes. I'm playing him in fantasy, Tim, in our IDP league. I don't think we've ever had – a defensive back score more than like 10 points. He had 37, two defensive back, uh, two, two touchdowns returned for interceptions. Can't, I don't understand what Indy's doing with Jonathan Taylor, though. Jonathan Taylor last week was rolling right along, had like 90 yards and then just didn't get another carry. Indianapolis this week had Jonathan Taylor had 41 yards at the half and had one yard in the second half. I didn't understand it. I, I know they want to keep him healthy. They want to keep Moss in there. It's weird the usage. I think Taylor's going to start to get a little annoyed. I think the team you could see is getting frustrated. At the end of the game there was 6 minutes to go, Tim. Indy had a two touchdown lead and they were throwing the ball with Gardner Minshew all over the field. It didn't make any sense. Eventually, I think the coaching decisions by Indianapolis, which I think have been poor coaching decisions all year, will come back and bite them.
0: You have the stat handy. Have the stat handy. What's Patriots against the spread recently?
1: The Patriots have only covered two of the last 16.
0: Two of the last 16 the last games. Three. They're home against the Colts next week. The Colts. Well, it's in Germany. One. Ah, um, thank you. Okay, okay either way, either way. <laughs> still a game, still right, Tom? right, Tom? Colts, Colts, minus, Colts one.
1: minus one. Yeah, I, I think that coaching is going to bite Indy in the butt eventually, but I'm done taking the Patriots. <laughs> I've taken my last Patriots for the year again. I didn't give it out at TomBartonSports.com, so I didn't lose any money today. But it's still frustrating to watch it. It's just a—it it really is. It's just a, that's the best way you can explain. It. It's a frustrating existence to try to watch this Patriots offense.
0: Las Vegas Raiders new head coach, new regime in the front office here shortly. They get a thirty-to-six win at home against the New York Giants. Raiders now four and five, Giants two and seven. Uh, what's the story here, Tom? Other than Tom looks like, other like Daniel Jones, like Jones, Daniel is, done Jones well. is done as well. Yeah,
1: Giants are just pathetic. I, I mean, Daniel Jones is out. Saquon Barkley literally couldn't breathe on the sidelines. They're making him do breathing exercises because I, I think his lung collapsed. And they said, "Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. You're a free agent. Get out there and run again." I mean, it's just a complete ridiculous situation. They ran the guy 36 times last week. I'm dead serious. He was on the sidelines. They had to give uh, respiratory breathing exercises, and he was in the next play. Like, what the Giants are doing is just, it's such a mess. It's so bad. You want to talk about number one overall pick? I mean, Caleb Williams in New York. Doesn't that just sound right? Doesn't that make sense? Uh, Yeah, go get him in the big major market. Maybe that's why the Giants are losing, because this is just overall pathetic. You want to talk about hard to watch. The Giants don't have receivers. Their offensive line has been banged up all year. Uh, Thomas has been out all year. They are now on their third string quarterback, uh, you know, Vidi Goombats from from Syracuse over here. And and they can't do anything defensively either. It is bet against the Giants every single week.
0: What do you do? Okay, here's the thing with the Raiders, right, Tom? Um, I I love social media. I love just the ignorance by Vegas fans showing these guys celebrating in the in the dress in the uh, locker room smoking cigars. Smoking cigars. Yeah. The uh, new regime, a different team. Shut, shut shut up, man. Devontae Adams still today, Tom. Nothing. He didn't produce. That. And to have an upset Devontae Adams, it doesn't matter who the coach is. That's your guy, and I don't know if it's because O'Connell can't get it to him. I don't know what the problem is, but if that's your guy and you're unhappy, he's unhappy in the locker room, there's going to be problems. So I'm not buying into this just because you beat up a bad team. How about next week? Home again. Sunday night football, right? you got the Jets coming to town, and you're a two-point dog.
1: I'd be very fr- afraid if I'm Vegas, and not because the Jets are a dynamic team. You have uh, Aiden O'Connell, a defensive-minded coach, going up against that Jets defense. I, I'd be shocked if the Raiders cross twenty points next week. Now, this isn't <laughs> to say that they can't win the game, <laughs> which is which is every Jet problem, right? I mean, they could win the game, you know, seventeen fourteen because of it. But the, the I'd be very worried about a young coach. A generally rookie head rookie head coach with rookie coordinators, a, a young quarterback, and now going up against what you can argue is the best defense in the league. That's a problem. I'd be very nervous if I was Las Vegas. Light those cigars and enjoy the moment. I get it. Okay? And you have a chance to win next week. I'm not telling you that you don't have a chance to win, but it's got to be a perfect game plan, and you cannot make mistakes against the Jets.
0: And I know this has probably been just run through the Las Vegas media since it's happened, and I know we really didn't get a chance to talk about it much, but we're going to give you the real analysis here, not not what you're going to hear on all, from all these other yahoos. Nowhere did we ever say that this was a great decision to bring in Josh McDaniels. We all thought it was terrible. You don't fire the guy fire week eight of the NFL season. That's an idiot owner. There's nothing else you can say about that. You're not turning the season around. Tim, but hiring
1: him, okay, uh, we have a couple of minutes here. Hiring McDaniels was not a second guess. We all bashed that, okay? Yeah. And the one of the reasons, forget about what you thought about him, and I'm not saying I'm smarter than anybody else out there. What I'm telling you is that Josh McDaniels was available, and no other teams really interviewed him. Like, he wasn't a hot commodity. That tells you something. And then you hire him, knowing that you were really the only team in the bidding war with him, and you hire him to a very long contract. That That's what didn't get me. I understood going after McDaniels. I did. I, I thought it was a bad move. And I thought it was dumb to go out there and, and watch a failed guy and say, oh, he's going to be okay. But then you hired him to an extension. Then you went out there and you got him his quarterback, which was even a more of a bonehead move. To not go out there and go get a young guy or go get that experienced guy, and you know, it was a litany of those those idiotic moves. I still think that they got Devonte Adams with full belief that they would get Aaron Rodgers. I think that that was an idiot move. So it wasn't just McDaniel. Oh, you know what? We knew McDaniel's was a bum. Listen, I knew McDaniel's was a bum. We talked about it on the air. But okay, fine. You screw up McDaniels, but you don't give him a four or whatever. They get a four or five-year deal. You don't give him that, okay? You give him a prove-it kind of contract. That's number one. Number two, you don't bring in Jimmy Garoppolo to be the savior. That's number two. Number three, you don't sign Devontae Adams with the hope that Aaron Rodgers comes there and then Aaron Rodgers doesn't come there. And then all of a sudden, it doesn't make sense. And they had a chance, oh, by the way, they had a chance last week to trade Devontae Adams to the Jets. And what I've heard from three different sources is that the trade offer was Pretty, pretty, pretty appealing. And they just didn't do that. So they told their GM, no, don't do that. And then they fired the GM hours later. Tim, this is a complete and utter, you know what kind of show.
0: 100%. And my problem is this. this, That that if you're an owner, owner. you should be an owner. An owner, owner, in owner, in my opinion, doesn't have... Behind-the-scenes meetings, Tom, with players and other coaches to try to find out what's going on. An owner doesn't uh, fall into public pressure just because he's getting chastised in a stadium where he chooses to sit amongst us normal folk. You don't give in to public pressure. You made the decision to bring these people in. And if you want to cut ties, you to cut, cut ties cut at the end, the at the end of the year. Doing it during the season doesn't do anything. Doesn't. And even if they made the playoffs, Tom, I still would say it was a terrible, was decision. A terrible decision. Ziegler didn't deserve Ziegler to be, did fire deserve be fired, number one. McDaniels, McDaniels I'll go with that. You don't even know who your head coach is. Now you got people thinking that Antonio Pierce needs to be the guy here. He's not going to be the guy here. He shouldn't be the guy here. So, for me, it's just, like you said, it's complete bomb. I just don't understand. People compare him to his dad, and that's not fair, but he has to be an owner, not a not a placate to what public perception is, and that's what he did in this case, and I don't care what any Raiders fan says to me about it. Did he deserve the job? No. Does he have the job? Yes. Let him finish the season.
1: You know, to me, I, I'm, I'm one of those weird guys. I don't mind an owner getting involved, Tim. I really don't. I don't mind an owner getting involved if he understands the sport. I don't think that Davis understands the sport. I don't think he understands football. You can't understand football and make the moves that he made. You can't. And I'm not being funny here. I'm being honest. I don't think he quite understands the sport. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that you play fantasy football with. A lot of guys that, listen, (laughs) there's people uh, on the airwaves that think they know about football, and then they start talking, and you go, oh, they don't really understand it. Davis doesn't understand the sport. You can't, if you bring in McDaniels, have an extension, bring in his people, bring in Garoppolo, sign Devontae Adams in the hopes that, I mean, no, the litany of moves that he made all show, he doesn't understand.
0: He's a fan. He's a fan. Yeah, Yeah, and guess what the next
1: move's going to be? We talked about Caleb Williams, Tim. Here's the next move. Las Vegas Raiders trade. 2024. First round draft pick, 2025 first round draft pick, 2026 first round draft pick to the <laughs> Chicago Bears for the rights to Caleb Williams and pick him number one. That yeah. is the next bonehead move that's coming.
0: Ed, and Raiders
1: fans will cheer and applaud the move.
0: Oh, 100%. 1,000%. Oh, million thousand percent, million percent. percent. It's funny that it's the Raider lot. fan base is so. Um, What's the word I'm looking for here, Tom? where you're just behind your team, it's like you have, like you live and die. Looking the, you know. through,
1: looking through Raiders colored
0: glasses, we'll say, right? They've been looking through them for a long time. Because when was the last time they won a Super Bowl? Yeah. yeah. But yet, that team it. is. You the know best.
1: that. Listen, I'm a Bears fan, and I'm going. Oh, I can't wait for that to happen. The Raiders are going to give us a Herschel Walker type of deal, a Ricky Williams and Mike Dickon type of deal with the Saints, right? They're going to give the Chicago Bears that deal. For the number one overall pick. Caleb Williams is going to be playing in, in Las Vegas. And the Raiders fans are going to cheer. And as a Bears fan, I'm going to love all those first-round picks.
0: Tommy, don't let them Tommy, win next Tommy. week, man. They, they get to 500. We better Super Bowl, here we come, brother. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, we, we saw this before, didn't we? Didn't we see an interim head coach take them and bring them to the Super I mean, bring them to the playoffs and then get fired?
0: Yeah. And... He he didn't get fired. He just they didn't choose him as the head coach. But there were people that Raider fans yeah, that fired. thought he deserved the job. I believe. Yeah, I I can see that happening. But you better get Devonte in the somehow involved, somehow Tommy. Involved. I, that's that's a big problem a big right problem. now. Trade him too. That he should have been gone. Eagles now eight and 23 win over Dallas. Dak looked good. Seedy looked good, right? Um, just key, crucial drives they couldn't convert on. And then the Eagles uh, just somehow again come away with this by the skin of their teeth with a win.
1: Dak stepped out on the one-yard line that I thought was going to be a touchdown in real time. He threw a, t- a touchdown to the tight end on the one-yard line. I thought that that was going to be a touchdown. But Mike McCarthy lost this game for them. You know, I'm a guy that had the over in this game, okay? So, obviously, I, I for self-interest, I was hoping for, you know, the over to come in early. The Dallas Cowboys had the ball at the 32-yard line, and the Dallas Cowboys had the ball at the 5-yard line. They decided in both instances to not kick the field goal down 8 points. I mean, sorry, down 11 points. They decided twice to not kick that field goal. That wound up being the deciding field goal, too. Because right, then they had to go for two and everything Twice, they gave up three because they believed that they were rolling on offense. Mike McCarthy lost this game. I know it was a couple of close calls here and there. I get it. But that McCarthy factor is going to come up and rear its ugly head in certain situations. This isn't a death nails. in Dallas. Dallas looked good. Dallas showed they could play with the Eagles. There you go. They should have won. It was inches away from two touchdowns. Yeah, I get it. Uh, but you have to play smart. You can't get caught up in the emotion. And, and Mike McCarthy got caught up in the emotion of, Dak looks really good. Oh, man, CeeDee Lamb looks really good. Pollard's running the ball well. We're unstoppable on offense. Boom. And guess what? They were stopped. And they left six points on the field. And that six points was the difference.
0: Dallas home next week against the Giants, Tom, with Tommy DeVito as the quarterback. And I laugh when I say that. Cowboys minus 16.
1: I still have the Cowboys alive in my uh, survivor pick. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you already know, right? I'll be taking the Cowboys in my Survivor pick.
0: <laughs> and the Sunday nighter, Cincinnati twenty-four, Buffalo eighteen. Bengals now five and three on a roll. Buffalo Tommy five and four going the other way.
1: Yeah, Buffalo is eliminated. We talked about in the beginning of the show. I said I learned some stuff. The Buffalo Bills are not a Super Bowl contender. It's over. It's not the team of two thousand twenty. Not the team of 2021-22. It's not that team. This team is, is no longer a Super Bowl viable contender. Josh Allen, you know, he is my favorite player that is not a Chicago Bear out there right now. Um, he He's just not the same. He's making wait. You wrote to me, what the hell is wrong with Josh Allen? And I said mm-hmm. to you, and I'll say to everybody out here, he is too much of a gunslinger. He's become Brett Favre. And Brett Favre at his best was a top 10 all-time quarterback that was able to live with those kind of mistakes, but you had to live with those. Josh Allen right now is on the same kind of trajectory, except he's not winning, right? But he's making those same mistakes, those same errors, those same forced in balls. Today, what we watched was Cincinnati growing up and saying, hey, this year we had some problems early. Burrow's leg was was banged up. We are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Wake up. And I said, yeah, I am. And it also showed us that the Bills, yeah, they're a playoff team. Yeah, they might win the division. But, it, you know, they're the same old Bills. They are mediocre in, when it comes to playoff caliber teams, and they are not a Super Bowl contender.
0: Tom, a couple more matchups in Week 10. Two teams coming off the bye, San Francisco at Jacksonville. And the Niners are a three-point favorite on the road.
1: It's all about what is Brock Purdy. I think we're going to learn a lot against this very tough Jacksonville defense. Jacksonville is that other team that's hanging out there. No one's paying attention to their 6-2 and two record. No one's paying attention to the fact that they've only allowed 156 points against. We talked about how great the Chiefs were with 143. It's 13 points difference. I, I look at this team and I go, Jacksonville's defense is for real. Jacksonville's running game is for real. The last part that has to click for Jacksonville to be a Super Bowl team is Trevor Lawrence. So it'll be interesting what this bye week does for him. And we got to see what what Brock Purdy is, because there's some doubts now what he is.
0: Also, bye week also by Detroit, Detroit will be over here on the left coast. Take on the Chargers who play tomorrow night on Monday night football. The Lions, Tom, two-point favorite on the road.
1: I don't like the Lions on the road ever, but they're a different team this year. I I, I do have confidence. In Jared Goff, they've had, you know, 200 points for on the season. They are, I mean, their offense is great, but offense is usually so much better at home. I still think they're going to score some points. The Chargers are always just dangerous just because they're the Chargers
0: with all that talent. Total's 48, Tom. I was kind of looking at that one.
1: Yeah, uh, it makes sense to go over there. But listen, uh, again, Both of these teams have a talented, talented defense. Mm
0: -hmm. And the Monday nighter will be Denver at Buffalo. Bills minus eight. Uh,
1: Isn't this one of those bounce backs where the whole world thinks that Buffalo is done and Buffalo comes out and they beat Denver by like 40. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it has that feel to it. You know, I don't know if that this Buffalo team is that team anymore. That's the kind of bounce back you almost need to see.
0: I can already tell you what what, what one half of my Timmy teaser next week is going to be, Tom. <laughs> yeah, you take him <laughs> take a Buffalo. It's it's very luscious there, very luscious there. Delicious, delicious looking at delicious minus one. Looking at one, one. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, they,
1: I don't think they're losing at home Monday <laughs> Night Football. No, I don't think so.
0: Let's take our last time out here time on a Sunday out, yeah. night. We're going to talk some college basketball on the other side of it. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Now back to Heatwave Sports. Tommy Bart, Tim Unglesby, Angel. Take you to the last half hour here on Heat Wave Sports, the Super Sunday Night Edition. and We're going to talk NCAA college basketball. The season tips off tomorrow, Tom, 8 o'clock in the morning. Pacific. You have Spalding versus, versus IUPUI, I-U-I. and the last game and will tip off at 8:30, Tom Barton, Tom Barton, as it'll be or 11:30 your time. Saint Francis, St. Francis versus UCLA. UCLA. I, tried count I tried to count the matchups for tomorrow. Match-ups I, gave for tomorrow I gave up after 50. Yeah,
1: there, there's like a hundred matchups. It's it, it's a fun day, um, but you got to really navigate through. I I started the day going, and you guys know. TomBartonSports.com. I usually put up, you know, uh, two, three, three, four games a day. I, I had 12 games on the board, Tim. I was, I was, I was convinced I had to bet 12 games. Uh, I'm down to two, <laughs> you know, it's a matter of just weeding it out and weeding it out and weeding it out. Now I'm sure I'll play some in games and I'll, I'll sure that I'm going to be sitting in front of the TV for 12 hours tomorrow, uh, 12 hour, probably 14 hours. And, and I try to find some betting opportunities, but, you have to be real careful early in the season, especially these out-of-conference games.
0: That being said, where do we start, Tom? We're going to go the national landscape. I think if it's okay with you, I want to save my UNLV for next next Sunday. I want to do a little more research on on the Mountain West, but just from a national landscape, are, you know, are, you got your Dukes, your Kansas, Purdue, Michigan State. Uh, it's always the same always Blue Bloods same up Blue Bloods in that top 10 that mix top there. 10 there. Uh, what are you looking, at going, are you looking at going into this season?
1: I think uh, one of the things that we have to really, really start to understand is that besides the regular Blue Bloods, Tim, we have new teams that are going to continuously pop up in the Blue Bloods uh, when we we're talking about that. Uh, the AP Top 25, right? You said it. You got the Kansases, the Dukes, um, you know, Michigan State. But Purdue is there now. Purdue is hanging around 2-3. They've been for a couple of years. Is Purdue a new blue blood? Okay, they're there. What about Houston? Tim, Houston for a while now has been up in that range. Of course, we have Gonzaga, but wait a minute. What about St. Mary's this year? Gonzaga may not win their own conference, or what was their conference, right? You have that team. You have a Grand Canyon that I think can finish in the top 25. You have an FAU team that I still believe can be a top 10 team. So we have not only the Blue Bloods and the elite of the elite, we have a lot of these type of teams, the Florida Atlantics, the Grand Canyons, even the Purdue, the Houstons, that we have to start to get used to as being teams that consistently are going to be ranked at the top 10, even then into the top five. But the major story for me overall is how good the Big East is going to be. Look, the Pac-12 is fun. The Big Ten, yeah, you're going to have your, your Michigan State. You're going to have, you know, one or two teams. The ACC, which was the premier conference for the longest time and had that run, they're down a little bit. The SEC will be fun, but I'm not sure they even have a top five team. Maybe, maybe not even a top ten team. I know Tennessee is just cranking that into that top ten. Um, You look around the landscape and you go, who's the best team in the country? Well, the best team in the country might not be from the Big East, but you have an opportunity where Marquette, UConn, and Creighton are all in the top 10. You have a St. John's team that's also there. You have a Villanova team that's inside the top 25. Uh, You know, Now you have Patino going over there. We have an opportunity to see five or six teams inside the top, dare I say, 15, Out of one conference. So I think the conference shift of the powerhouse consistently being the ACC and the Big Ten to all of a sudden being almost squarely into the Big East is a big storyline.
0: And really, Tom, from uh, just the country landscape as, as far as what the future holds, literally beginning next year, you're going to be seeing these conferences change and you're seeing the end of a lot of rivalries, which... Really stinks when you look at football side of it. the perfect example would have been the Bedlam, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. There, that's not going to happen now for a few years, right? And so they get rescheduled, which is ridiculous if you think about it. In-state rivalry. On the other side of it, in the college basketball landscape, they play twice a year. Those are gone as well after this year. Yeah,
1: it is a shame. I I, I hate the, the the switch up. Um, you know, I, I'm almost glad to see the the elite coaches go before all this went down. Because imagine having Roy Williams and uh, coach K, you know, uh, splitting conferences or, or leaving each other. I I know it's not happening in Duke, North Carolina, but just the idea of that, it, it it is, it's disappointing. Um, But, but speaking of coaches. The number one team in the country is Kansas bill self, to me, it's always been Coach K, Roy Williams, uh, even a Tom Izzo, hey, and then then you talk about Bill Self, and I've always thought that Bill Self was a little underrated. Timmy's got number one team in the country again. The the Kansas controversy, we'll say, is past him. He wins another championship here. Don't we have to start talking about Bill Self as being,
0: geez, maybe top five all time? That's uh. That's, uh... That's quite a place to put him. I don't know if he's top five. I put him top ten for sure. And I think he's – he just turned – he's, he's going to be 61 soon. But what he's done as a head coach from his career beginning at Oral Roberts to now where he's been at Kansas, Tommy, 20 years now, right? Can you believe that? 20 years at Kansas. The guy has like a 77% winning percentage. Uh, yeah, has, and
1: it's consistent.
0: Yeah two national titles. National titles. He's, he's, two, he's two and one in final fours. Guy's a winner. Um, I think if he wins another one in the next five years, he's, yeah, he's pushing top five all time.
1: That's what I'm saying. If he wins this year, Tim, they have the number one team in the country. <laughs> you, gotta, you really got to start thinking about that with, with what kind of resume he's putting together and what he can put together moving forward. You know, we had all the retirees, you know, the the Coach K's gone, Roy Williams is gone, uh, Bayheim's gone. It, it's kind of, I, I mean, it's kind of him and <laughs> Izzo sitting at the top of the of the old men still hanging around that really aren't that old if you really look at Bill Self. He's not that old. He's got another, you know, five, ten years left in him. Can he, can he tack on another two, three championships? Whew, he might.
0: If you look at this team, and I know we're not – breaking every team down. But if you look at the number one team in the country, right, Tom? And I know you've done the research on this. And you look at the seniors and you got Braun and Dickinson in the front line. Solid. they got juniors, though, coming. And they're, they're, their front line is – I love it. I love their front line. I love the rotation. Good point guard. You don't, you don't need to go any further. I'm, I, and I'm not stepping out on the ledge here. I'm picking, I'm picking Kansas to win Kansas. the national title, and yeah, it yeah. is what it is, right? what it is, right? I'm just saying, I'm Tommy, just saying Tommy, if Tommy, the juniors stay, the junior stay, or at least the core of them do, the of them we'll, do. we'll be talking about Kansas we'll talking again about next Kansas. year, whether they win this year or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and that's that's the dangerous thing. When I started to talk about Bill Self, and I'm saying, and I know people are going to go, oh, clickbait. I'm not looking for clickbait. What I'm telling you is that there are only a handful of coaches in, in the world that have three national championships, right? There are only two, Adolph Rupp and, and Coach K, with four and five. I'm looking at a path, like you said, keeping retaining some guys for the number one team in the country. But this isn't a one-year thing. This is a two-year dynamic team. Kansas has been a, a favorite of mine to go out there and bet on. I don't think I can as the number one overall seed. But you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody to argue that Kansas isn't going to the Final Four at this point.
0: And and obviously in the futures, right, Tom? You're not getting value at Kansas, right? What what is what are they running most places? Uh, yeah, you're you're not getting,
1: you know, Three, reality four. wise, Tim. Um, you're not getting <laughs> good odds in college basketball futures almost ever. It's really weird, but you really don't. It's not like the other sports because they already know. So Kansas is, you know, it opened. It opened pretty well. It opened at like fifteen to one, but it's down to ten to one odds. Ten to one sounds okay, right? Sounds like a decent investment. But think about the tournament. Think about what they have to do to get there. So yeah, they're at they're at ten to one. Duke's at thirteen to one. Purdue's fourteen to one. Kentucky and Michigan State are sixteen to one. Then everything else jumps up to the twenty or more range.
0: Once you get in the tournament, too, a Kansas they're going to be what two three to one, right? That's there's no value. No, not at all. So give me, Tom, your, your Tom, couple your teams, teams that you think that uh, – I won't even say the top tier. Let's not even talk about top tier teams. Let's talk about those those next fringe level schools that maybe you can make some money on here early before the public catches on. And then give me a mid-range school that you think has great odds, tournament odds, that even if you got to hedge your way through it, you're still going to make money. Well,
1: I, I still do believe that um, Grand Canyon is the team that you can make money on early on. People don't realize how good this team is. Bryce Drew was building a real serious program there. They bring back uh, two bring back two players on their team that you could argue the two best players in that conference. They have a tough early window. So you can't make money on them necessarily early. Uh, but after that, they, they, maybe they, they get bounced around a little bit and then Going into conference play, they should absolutely explode. Yale is the same thing. I know, look, I talk about my Ivy Leagues and everybody kind of rolls their eyes, but you can make money in the Ivy Leagues. The the Yale Bulldogs are bringing back the favorite to win the best player in the conference, and they're bringing back the defensive player of the year in the Ivy League, who are different players, (laughs) okay? Uh, Bulldogs have also won five of the last eight titles over uh, the course of, of the last eight years. I mean, that alone... Yale will fly under the radar for some people. The overall feel of a Colorado makes a little bit of sense. I think you can make some early money on Colorado before people remember, oh, wait a minute, this does have a good team. And, you know, I think you're going to be able to make money against St. John's early on. St. John's is a good team. And I think that they could be a Sweet 16 team. I do. they got a lot of players from the Ivy League. Uh, Patino's come over there. They lost to Pace University. I know it was an exhibition game, but when you watch that game against Pace and you listen to people that were in the arena, they'll sit back and they'll tell you, look, they're just not gelling quite yet. And I think it might take until January or even late January into February before this team completely gels. I think you can make money against St. John's as people just assume Patino's going to walk in there and just kind of dominate. As far as those mid-level teams that have championship hopes, Look, I'm going to give you three teams. I'm First of all, I'm going to give you FAU. I, look, I know that they went to the Final Four. People are still not believing in this team, okay? FAU is a team that right now, um, you know, you look at the betting market of FAU, you could get them at 40 to 1 or more. They're the top 10 ranked team in the country. People just don't buy into them. They have their starting five returning to. Their starting five players are returning from a team that went to the Final Four for a team that turned everyone's heads around. I, yeah, listen, I like the odds there. I think they're a top 10 team again. I believe it. St. Mary's is also another one. St. Mary's is one I'm really keeping an eye on. Again, you could get them at close to 40, 45, even 50 to 1 in some places. One of the best defenses in the country. It wouldn't shock me if they finished as the best defense in the country. They're currently ranked 23 in both the AP and the coaches poll. I think that St. Mary's has a lot of value. Could I see St. Mary's in the final four? I absolutely could. But the team that I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm saying, you know, I think you can make a lot of money on, even though they're a public team, uh, is Texas. Look, Texas brought over some massive players. Anybody that knows me knows how much I loved Oral Roberts. And I hit Oral Roberts in the first two games of the tournament on the money line. And uh, Mad Max was going crazy. Well, Mad Max still has eligibility and he's playing for Texas. They are 30 to 1 odds. That is a team that can absolutely upset the uh, the Apple Card as well. Now I don't have any of those teams winning the national championship for my national championship, but when I was doing my Final Four, yeah, St. Mary's I wanted to find a spot for, FAU I wanted to find a spot for, and Texas I really wanted to find a fi- find a spot for those three teams to get into my Final Four. So at thirty to 40 to one, and fifty to one odds, might as well take a shot.
0: And I know you've done the research because it's one of your conferences, Tommy, but. What about UConn, last year's champs, repeat? What are we looking at? Is there money to be made against the Huskies? No, there's not. UConn's still a
1: solid team. Here's the thing, though. Like I said, the Big East is going to be brutal. It wouldn't shock me, Tim. And if you were going to ask me my final four, I was going to kind of say, you know what, let's have a little fun with it. I couldn't do it, but I was going to give you four Big East teams. I was going to try to give you four Big East teams because that's how good I think this conference could be. But like we used to say about the ACC, remember the ACC when all of a sudden you'd see Syracuse in the Elite Eight and you go, wait a minute, they finished like seventh in their own conference. I think that that's going to be the Big East this year. UConn can certainly win this thing. Marquette can certainly win this thing. Creighton can win this thing. Like I said, if St. John's gets gets hot, they can win this thing. I think Villanova will be back. You can't write off Xavier. So, I think the Big East is going to be battle-tested. I don't think that Yukon's going to be a number-one team in the country. I don't think that UConn gets a number-one seed and maybe even not a number-two seed. But once tournament time comes, they're going to be battle-tested, and I like battle-tested teams. So I could see UConn sitting there in the Final Four.
0: You brought up Gonzaga. You brought up St. Mary's. What about a team like Arizona? What about a team like San Diego State, USC? How about these West? There's only three teams in the, from the West Coast in the top 25, by the way. Seems
1: like everybody I talk to loves Arizona. I can see it. Um, they're, they're a team that just narrowly missed my Final Four. I, I think that they could get there. I just look at the coaching and I go, for some reason, they never do get there, right? I mean, they just don't. San Diego State's another team. A Solid top 15 team. I think they might sniff the top 10. But I think their conference is a little bit better this year, which means they're not going to be that elite team to basically go undefeated to get that top five ranking or that number one overall seed. It's going to be one of these years that San Diego State cracks this thing and really becomes a contender. Just don't know if it's going to be this year. And then you get to USC. Seemingly, USC is everyone's darling. I don't see it, guys. They're ranked 21 and 22 in the AP and the Coaches Poll. I don't have them inside my top 25. Can they be a viable team? Sure. But are they on my national radar? Absolutely not. I think it's a little West Coast bias that people are falling all over themselves about USC.
0: One of the best part about college basketball and the start of the season, Tom, is you get all these tournaments early, the holiday tournaments. So I want to be at this one on uh, 17th through the 19th, so in the next two weeks. How about this slate of games, Tommy? Slate of games Tommy? San Diego State San Diego versus St. Mary's, Xavier versus – I'm sorry, Xavier versus Washington. Those are the two games.
1: Yeah, that should be fun. Yeah, I'm telling you, that St. Mary's team, it's going to put people to sleep. Tim, but for a guy, real basketball guys like me and you, it's, it's the defensive gems that they're going to put out are just going to be they're going to be beautiful to watch. If you could watch San Diego State for the last couple of years, where you know teams are struggling to get into the fifties, you're going to love the St. Mary's defense.
0: looking forward to possibly a. Florida tournament, or Hawaii tournament, or even a Bahamas tournament, Tom that, that maybe has a couple of our schools in it, you know, coming up in the future. We can just say, hey, eh, we got to go to work. We're going to go to work on the beach." Yeah, I, I'm in
1: it. You know, if if they have that uh, Key West tournament, I, I don't know. We
0: need one of those two. <laughs> what do you? What is you know when when you look at the overreaction since it is Overreaction Sunday and. College basketball season is a long grind. We know that. You know, and, and you really look at a team that comes out of the gates a certain way, and then they jump into conference play and things take a turn for the worse. Perfect example would be on the football side of it in Colorado, right? House of Fire to start the season, where they were thought we should be now after this week. Uh, but with basketball, it's, it's a lot different. So are you looking at soft lines with so many teams are these lines soft because they just can't get around to knowing everything about what these teams have coming out of the season?
1: Well, with the new nil situation and everybody transferring, teams are just they're throwing out five new players. I mean, mm-hmm. go look at a great example. You guys know I really love my uh, love my Ivy Leagues. But you go look at Providence is taking on Columbia tomorrow. The Providence is an 18.5-point favorite. Providence is going to have a starting five that is brand new out there. Columbia is having a starting five that is their starting five from last year but they're still an 18 and a half point underdog. What do you do with that? You know, what do you do with that? What do you do with Texas? We got Mad Max, uh, the Oral Roberts legend coming onto that team. Will he be the main guy there? Is he going to be able to have enough, uh, you know, shots for him? So I think early in the season, there's a lot of turmoil. There's a lot of, like I said, with St. John's, Oh man, St. John's Patino's back. They got a lot of talent, Yeah, but they have never played together. So with the new nil deal and bringing in new guys, um, it, it is, really got to kind of lean towards the teams that have the returning five that have the upperclassmen. I think early on in the season, that going to give you an LV. I know we're not going to get into that until next week, but that's going to give UNLV a step up as they have a lot of upperclassmen. I think they have 11 upperclassmen on their team. That is going to help early on in the season. These teams are not going to be what they are today as they, what they're going to be in January, even into, you know, into March madness, of course, but early on in the year, there's a lot of new players playing with new players, and that can hurt, especially if they're big favorites.
0: All right, Tommy, I, right, like, Tommy. Kansas. I like Kansas. Who do you have, or do you want to give me your final four leading into who you have preseason national champion, and give me a uh, value futures play?
1: All right, well, here we go. I I have to put Kansas in there. Yeah, I'm buying into the Duke juice as well. Those are my my two of my. Top four teams. Creighton is also cracking my final four. Yeah, I'm going with it. I'm going with Creighton. And here we go. I'm going against every uh, metric possible, Tim. And and I'm telling you that Florida Atlantic is going to go back. I love that they're bringing back a starting five and a head coach. I don't think they are going to make the championship. You love Kansas. I love Kansas. We all love Kansas. But I have Creighton taking down Kansas 30 to 1 odds. I'm on the Creighton bandwagon. I think the Big East is battle tested. I couldn't go with Kansas. So, I'll give you 30 to 1 with Creighton. You want my values? I kind of gave them to you already, right? I think you have a little bit of that value in Florida Atlantic. I think you have some value in St. Mary's as well. So, those are, are kind of my value plays. Don't load up on them, but you get them at 40, 50 to 1. Now is the time to kind of pounce on that.
0: Well, I know you're looking forward to an exciting Monday, exciting. Tommy, and a great basketball great season. Great basketball season.
1: I got some college basketball plays up right now at TomBartonSports.com. You guys jump on board. I am 20-10 and 10 in the NFL season. You're going to get all of that. I went 2-0 college football this Saturday. Yeah, I have a winning record in college football. I have a winning record in the NHL. I'm 4-2 and to start the year there. And here comes college basketball where I have been out here making you guys money since the time you've heard my voice. College basketball is where we are going to absolutely crush it. I have plays up on the board, of college basketball, right now at TomBartonSports.com. Go check it out, guys. It's TomBartonSports.com.
0: I think I think uh, we'll let Angel get out of here early, Tom. We're going to wrap up this week's show, and uh, we'll talk again next Sunday night, my man.
1: Talk to you guys next Sunday. Make
0: sure you follow Tom at TomBartonSports over on Twitter at TomBartonSports.com. For the best in the business, number one, monitor. You can look it up. It's documented. For Tommy, Tim to Unglesby, Angel, have a great sports week. We'll talk to you next Sunday night at 10 o'clock. It's Heatwave Wave Sports, only on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas.